May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm glad that you're here today and I want to say welcome to our North Campus. Joining us today by video feed. Glad you guys are joining uh, with us today too. Um, Today we come to what has the potential to be probably the most divisive topic that we could cover. In fact, it has already divided many mainland, many mainstream denominations, you know, Anglicans, Presbyterians, Methodists, I mean, they are all split right down the middle. And I promise you, the devil would like nothing more than to use this topic to split every church right down the middle, including ours. So, Above all things, we need to make sure that that does not happen. And I had, a, I had a pretty good friend of mine. You know, growing up, we you know, went to the same church together. We went to Baylor uh, at the same time. Great guy. I mean, always dated really pretty girls. Very popular. Um, smart. I mean, sharp, sharp guy. Well, after he graduated college, he came out. You know, that he was gay. And people were shocked because, you know, nobody saw it coming. They had no idea how to deal with this because he was a church kid who had been super involved. And his dad was the senior pastor. Now, I had the privilege of being the youth pastor where his dad was the senior pastor during the time that he came out. And I got to see firsthand how this family struggled with this issue and how they dealt with it and how they, you know, handled things because they had to handle it. They couldn't just, you know, keep quiet. They couldn't just do nothing. They couldn't pretend that nothing had changed because things had changed. And I learned a ton about how to deal with this issue of homosexuality by walking with them through their struggle. And truthfully, we faced the very same issue that they did. Because some listening to me today have a son that's gay. Some have a daughter that's gay. Some have a brother or a sister that's gay. And some listening to me today are homosexual and struggle with same-sex attraction. Hey, and if that's you, I want us to continue to be friends. And I want you to continue to come to church here. Because this is an issue that all of us have to find how God wants us to respond to. Because the the deal is, in our culture, the debate it now puts everybody into one of two camps. We are either, you know, pro-gay or we are homophobic. That is how people are characterized. 
But, and this is your first film this morning, so you need to write, so this, I want you to write this down. But the real issue for Christ followers is not pro-gay versus homophobic. The real issue for Christ followers is grace versus truth. The real issue is grace versus truth. You know, because on one side, we want to offer grace. Because, I mean, you know, who are we to judge? And we should just, you know, love and accept people because that's what Jesus did. But yet, on the other side, there's truth. Because, you know, well, homosexuality is a sin. The Bible's, you know, pretty clear on that. And we don't want to compromise on the truth because, you know, Jesus came to, um, that that we might know the truth and the truth might set us free. Well, the real dilemma comes when one person is maybe just three degrees towards grace and another person is just three degrees toward truth. In reality, we're only six degrees apart. But we think that you know this person is on a trajectory that's gonna take them so far away from truth or so far away from grace that we panic. And we, you know, we have to champion our cause and we have to draw a line in the sand and, you know, go to war with one another about it. When in reality, the truth is, most people, you know, don't start off like perfectly balanced between grace and truth. And so everybody starts off probably, you know, maybe three degrees one way, three degrees the other way. And the truth is, we probably just stay, you know, a few degrees apart, you know, through life. Because that's just who we are. In fact, there's actually only one person that actually got grace and truth right. And that one person was Jesus. But the mystery is, he didn't try to be balanced. In fact, he wasn't balanced. Look what the Bible says about Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says this, the word, now, that's a reference to Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want you to circle that. Full of grace and truth. Now that word full applies to both the word grace and the word truth. So here's the deal. Jesus was completely full of grace, and he was also completely full of truth. He didn't try to find a balance between the two. And you know what that means for us? It means that our response towards homosexuality, and the truth is, our response toward any sin, needs to be full of grace and full of truth. Now, those aren't semantics, okay? That actually is possible. But it's, but honestly, it's very, very challenging. And so, I think the best way to proceed this morning is to just simply look at some of the questions that were submitted on our survey a few, a couple months ago, and let's just walk through them, and let's find answers from the Bible that are full of grace and full of truth, okay? Now, before we do that, let me offer this disclaimer, okay? You are probably not going to agree with everything that I'm going to say today, okay? That is okay. But as Christ followers who are 
full of grace. That means that we are patient and kind and loving to one another and are full of truth. That means that we come back to the Bible, which says, look at this next verse, which says in 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Look, so no matter what, let's not let this issue of homosexuality divide us. Let's first be committed to following Christ. And second, let's be committed to loving each other. Look, and if either one of us, you know, goes a few degrees one way or a few degrees the other way, then let's not condemn each other. I mean, when did a position on this issue become a litmus test for whether or not we could be friends? So let's not let that happen. Because the deal is, our commitment to love one another fills in the gap. That's how it's supposed to work. So, how do I respond to questions about this issue with grace and with truth? Here's the first question. Is being gay a sin? Is being gay a sin? Now, first off, this is the wrong way to ask this question, but this is how our culture asks it, because the deal is, it's one thing to, um, it's one thing to be attracted to a member of the opposite sex, it's quite another thing to act on it, you know, for instance, when I was a kid, there were lots of times that I felt like lying, okay, but is feeling like I should lie, is that a sin? No. Now, when I acted on it, it was. That was a sin, but having the feeling is not a sin. And, and when the Bible talks about homosexuality, it's always in terms of the behavior. It's not in terms of the action. And it's, it's the behavior that the Bible classifies as a sin. Look what the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. It says this. It says, do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. You see, it's not having the attraction to the same sex that's a sin. It's the behavior that's the sin. Now, some people say, oh yeah, but Mike, look, but look, you know, that's in the Old Testament. And, you know, in the Old Testament, they said all kinds of things like, you know, I'm not even supposed to eat catfish or, sh or shrimp or anything like that. So, you know, n all these Old Testament laws, you know, they don't really apply to us anymore today. And, you know, Jesus himself never specifically says that practicing homosexuality is a sin. Okay. You know what? Then let's just look at what Jesus actually does say. So, look at Mark chapter 7, beginning the second half, verse 18. Now, Jesus is talking about dietary laws and what you are allowed to eat and what you're not allowed to eat. Okay, and here's what he says. It says, don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? He's talking about food. Uh, for it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Okay? So look, Jesus specifically says that it's okay to eat all kinds of foods, including catfish and shrimp. Okay? 
I know some of you were panicking, okay? And just in case on that day, you know, there were some in the crowd that were thinking that Jesus was you know, about to turn, overturn all of the Old Testament laws, Jesus goes on and says this. He says in verse 20, uh, he went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality. I want you to circle that. We're going to come back to it in just a second. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Now, earlier in Mark, Jesus defined marriage as between one man and one woman, and that sex within that boundary is blessed by God. And this term that I had you circle, you know, sexual immorality, and honestly, it covers a wide range of sexual practices, including homosexuality, okay? So Jesus basically says, he says, you know, sex when inside the boundaries of marriage is blessed by God. And anything outside that boundary is categorized as sexual immorality. That's what he's saying. And again, Jesus is not talking about just simply having an attraction. He's talking about the action. So here's an appropriate response to this question. Here's your answer. We are all sinners and have things we struggle with. Being attracted to the same sex is not a sin. Acting on it is. Do you hear the grace? Do you hear the truth? Question number two. Are people born homosexual? This is a hard question to answer. <laughs> because, I'm going to say, it sure seems that people are born with a leaning towards gay behavior. You know, much like, you know, there's some people that are born with a proclivity, a proclivity towards alcohol or towards a, just an addictive behavior. There are some people that are born with a short temper. There are some people that are born with a love for materialism. Some people are born with uh, a self-consciousness about their image and their appearance. And honestly, there's other people that are just born plain old self-centered, okay? It sure seems that people are born with a tendency to sin in a particular way. And what, and what might not be a struggle for some is a huge struggle for others. And what's a huge struggle for others really might not be a struggle for other people. But we all have some kind of a struggle that we are looking to overcome. You know, this is essentially the whole, you know, nature versus nurture subject. And the truth is, while some people are homosexual because of abuse in their past, I do think it's foolish to say that, you know, Everybody that is homosexual is a product of abuse. So, are some people born this way? Obviously, it does seem to me that there are people that are born with a same-sex attraction. And that is what's going to be their struggle. Just like for some, their struggle is alcoholism. 
For others, it's materialism, or addiction, or anger, or greed, or self-centeredness. But look, regardless of where you fall in this whole nature versus nurture thing, whether somebody is born gay, or whether something has happened to them that has um, made them attracted to the same sex, to say that God cannot change a person from the inside out is, is to have a very small view of God. To say that Jesus Christ can forgive me, but he cannot change me, is a very small view of the power of Jesus Christ. You no, know, the, the friend that I told you I had, you know, that came out after college, he eventually came back to Christ, had, and Jesus changed him, and he never went back to that lifestyle ever again. Look at what Jesus says. Luke 18, 27. Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So the answer to this question of is somebody born gay, the answer is I don't know. I do not know. But here's what I do know. We are all born prone to sin in one way or another. Only Jesus Christ can change a person from the inside and help them live a new life. We're all prone to sin one way or another, but only Jesus can change us from the inside and help us live a new life. Do you hear the grace? Do you hear the truth? Okay, here's the next question. To become a Christian, do I have to stop being gay? To become a Christian, do I have to stop being gay? Well, let me ask you this. Does a, does a person have to stop cussing to be a Christian? Does a person have to stop lusting to become a Christian? Does a person have to stop being an adulterer to become a Christian? Okay? The answer to all of these is no. In fact, I would say that your best chance to stop any of the, these behaviors is to actually become a Christian. Because it's at that point that the Holy Spirit lives inside you and gives you the power to change. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, look, look, hold on. Hold on. This does not mean that anyone who is gay can never go to heaven. That is not what Paul is saying. What he's saying here, he's talking about the person who is gay that knows all about Jesus Christ and just refuses to accept him, okay? And the same is true for people who, like he says, who are greedy, who are alcoholics, or are abusers, or cheats. It is, it is their sin that keeps them from going to heaven. And the only thing that can wipe out their sin is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because look what he says, flip your page over, look what he says in verse 11. He says, some of you were once like that. Why don't you underline that? He says, some of you were once like that. I mean, it's, that's incredible. 
He's saying that there were people in the early church that were openly gay. They were openly gay at one time, but then they had their lives changed. And look, whether they were born that way or whether they were a product of their environment makes no difference. There were formerly gay people in the early church whose lives were changed. How were they changed? Look what he says. He says, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, once they became Christ's followers, they began to change. Look at that. That that doesn't happen instantaneously. It happens over time, just like you and me. (laughs) I mean, when I first became a Christ follower, my life didn't change instantaneously. I'll be honest with you, it has been a long, slow process. Ask my wife. So, does a person have to stop being gay to become a Christian? The answer is no. Because when a person becomes a Christ follower, there are many things in their life Jesus will want to change over time. Your job is to love people. The Holy Spirit's job is to change people. Did you hear that? Your job is to love people. The Holy Spirit's job is to change people. Look, do you, do you feel the grace? Do you feel the truth? And now we can, we, honestly, we can really answer a similar question. Can a person be a Christian if they are also homosexual? Well, the answer to that is yes, because a Christ follower changes over time. Look, and just like I still have areas in my life that are not changed, and I want other people to love me, accept me, and be patient with me, I need to do the same with others. I mean, look, here's the deal. You're not perfect, are you? No. Are there still parts of your life that need to change? Oh, yeah. And so you need to show others the same grace that you want shown to you, because we are all still in the process of being changed and becoming more like Christ. And so our love and our patience is what required for other people, no matter where they are in the process and no matter where we are in the process, right? Okay, how about this one? How do I respond if my son or daughter comes out? Sometimes we forget the impact of a very famous verse in the Bible. It's in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, while you were still a sinner, long before Jesus came into your life, you know, Way before you started to clean up your act, God loved you. He loved you. And he acted so lovingly toward you, not by just, you know, being nice. 
He went way beyond that. He, while you were still a sinner, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Now, that is real love. And furthermore, it's God's love that continues to change your life and mine. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Friends, do you understand? It is not God's judgment that leads us to change. It is not his guilt that leads us to change. It is not fear of God's retribution that leads any of us to change. It's because God is patient with us. He is kindness, kind to us, that he deals gently with us and lovingly with us. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance, that leads us to change. And the same is true for your son or for your daughter or anyone that's come out or anyone that's involved in any kind of sin. Okay, look, your judgment, your guilt trip, your scolding, your retribution is not going to lead them to change any more than it would you. The only path that would lead someone to change is a path that is paved with kindness and love. I'm not saying that you have to agree with all of their choices or behaviors, okay? That's the truth part. But please, please, be more concerned about your son or your daughter than you are about your family's reputation. Don't disown your child. There's, there's no grace in that. So don't go that way. So here's the response. I need to love my son or daughter because he or she is my son or daughter. My kindness best paves the way for future change. My kindness best paves the way for future change. Okay, well then what about this one? Do I walk my daughter down the aisle at her gay wedding? Whoa. Hey, again, hear this. I'm not saying that you have to agree with everything that your son or, in this case, your daughter does. Okay? That's the truth part. Right? But at the end of all things, she is not going to remember your lectures. But she will remember whether you refuse to walk her down the aisle or if you chose to do it. And in the end, if it is your love that best paves the way for her to come back, then love her because she's your daughter first. And and don't worry about, you know, well, but Pastor Mike, you know, what if people misunderstand and they think that I'm approving of what my daughter does? Well, look, here's the thing. If you're misunderstood, you're in really good company because Jesus was misunderstood all the time. Jesus hung out all the time with people that did all kinds of things that were way against 
God's laws and the things that were written down in the Bible. In fact, look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 7, verse 34. It says, the son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, they called him a glutton, a drunk, a friend of sinners. I mean, Jesus was misunderstood. And you know, he was okay with it. Because in the end, because of his love and his commitment to grace and truth, he won so many of them over that it didn't matter. So here's the answer. Should you walk your daughter down the aisle at her gay wedding? Absolutely. Because she is my daughter first. And if people misunderstand, then I'm in good company. Look, <laughs> I, I know that for some here in this room, I've gone way too far. And I know for some in this room, I haven't gone far enough. Like, I get that. But honestly, I'm not here to share with you my opinion or to agree with yours. I'm here to help you see what God's word says and then let you take it from there. But here's the thing. Above all things, we need to let unity prevail. It doesn't mean that we have to you know, agree perfectly about all things, about everything, and but it does mean that we need to show love for one another about all things. And just because someone might be a few degrees away from where we are, it doesn't matter because our love for them covers the gap. Because in the end, our love for Jesus and our love for each other is the one most convincing thing that will show the world that a relationship with God and his son Jesus Christ is real because it has transformed our lives and therefore it has the power to transform theirs so find your connection card and let's take some next steps together perhaps it's this first next step I commit above all things not to let this issue become divisive and be patient and loving with others. Please, please, would you check that? Next, as best I can, I commit to approach this topic with a heart that is full of grace and full of truth. Would you make that commitment? I think that is one of the most Christ-like commitments that we can make because that's what he was. Next, I commit to love others and let the Holy Spirit change them. I think a lot of times we want to change others and let's let the Holy Spirit love them. That is not the way to go. We need to love them and then let the Holy Spirit change them. That's the biblical stance. Next, I will memorize Romans 2, 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? I'm telling you, 
there is so much power in that verse. If you've never memorized it, I, I would highly encourage you to do so. Incredible, incredible verse. Or the last one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Right below these next steps is a prayer to become a Christ follower. Now, maybe you realize you have never been transformed by the power of Christ. You have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then pledge your life to following him. I'm telling you, you cannot change your life until you do that. So if you've never become a Christ follower, I want you to pray that prayer. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to give everybody a chance to take a moment and pray and ask God to help you follow through with these next steps. Okay, so right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and I want you to take these next moments to pray, and if you're ready to become a Christ follower, then pray that prayer. Let's do that right now. Father, I want to say thank you that you love us no matter what our particular struggle in life is. And for those listening today, Lord, that struggle with same-sex attraction or have struggled with this lifestyle, Father, I ask that they would help, that you would help them find freedom in you and that they would find love and acceptance in us. That as Christ followers, we would love people to repentance and change. Not, never letting go of the truth, but yet never letting go of grace. And so you would help each one of us know how to respond. And in doing so, we would not, no longer be a source of division, but Lord, that we would be a source of acceptance for the homosexual community. And so I ask that you would help us to all be full of grace and to be full of truth just like your son was and never ever let the enemy use this to divide us and for every church in America and all over the world I ask that you would let unity prevail and I ask that you would bring us all back safely next week to hear more of what you have to say to us and I ask this in the great and loving and powerful, life-changing name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.